It's Tuesday, the 4th of July, and it's time to get your gaming green on with the Game Green Greencast. I'm your host, Ace, and joining me is Puce. Hello. The others are ill or sleepy or something, so they made their excuses and are not here, but me and Puce spent the past half an hour just chattering about nothing and everything, so... I figured it's about time we start the recording so we can just do that for your entertainment. But first, what you've been playing recently, Puce? Well, I've not been playing that many things this week. I've mostly just been jumping into MMOs as usual, just to do the usual uh, daily things. But I have been putting quite a bit of time into Guild Wars 2 since they announced the new expansions coming out soon. So I thought I'd level a level of fresh character up so I can... Uh, refresh myself on how all that stuff works yeah that's been a lot of fun i do i do enjoy guild wars 2's combat so it's still pretty enjoyable to play through uh, outside of guild wars 2 i've been trying to play street fighter 6 I, I love all the different modes Um i've been really enjoying the world tour mode which is kind of the story mode it's, it's actually a lot more substantial than i thought it would be going in which is interesting it's not just pick a character fight nine people and get a cutscene uh, no, it's pretty much make make a character as absurd as humanly possible because it's one of those character creators that's really fun where you can be super normal or you can make the most extreme freakish <laughs> things imaginable, like big long big long arms, big long legs, and then fight it out. But how it's structured in chapters, so like each of the main Street Fighter characters, like the main cast, they become like your masters and, and like say didn't like teach you like this is how you become a better human being through the art of punching other things and um left to explore the streets of metro city which is the same metro city from the final fight series and clean up clean up the streets by beating up thugs or challenging random civilians who all seem quite okay with being challenged to fights but uh yeah you can you can literally just go around and challenge it anyone you like do impromptu fights, which gives you currency, which you can then use to upgrade your fighter. Because you start with a very basic move set, so basically you you earn currency, which you then spend to increase your move set. And for each of the main Street Fighter characters that you interact with and um, improve your relationship with, you eventually unlock um, their 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 sort of uh, main moves. So you learn their move sets by becoming the friends basically ah the dragon ball z approach <laughs> but, but with less balls just with big <laughs> dangly arms instead yeah. oh goku keeps stealing moves from people he becomes friends with friends in quotes yeah <laughs> um, but yeah it's, it's it's a really interesting mode it's the, the there's like a main story thread because how how the how the world tour mode starts is you and this other um, person who decided to start training at the same time he ends up being kind of a delinquent he kind of he's like i don't want to be your friend I, I, don't, I don't see the point in his working together kind of mindset and then he ends up just leaving and doing his own thing and as you go around fighting people you 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 piece more and more to get like little bits together about what's happening it's sort of like there is a story thread that guides you through all these areas but it's basically Keep fighting, improve your level, improve your stats, improve your, like 
like customize your character with the moves that you want and uh, to slowly go through the story but it's but it's how it's done is a lot more in depth it's a lot there's a lot more rpg ish stuff in there than what i do, than what i was expecting well i well, clearly from my impressions of what the story mode might have been i've not touched street fighter since street fighter 2 insert title here <laughs> i i just i just never got into fighting games to be quite honest but that series in particular yeah it's it's, it's kind of interesting because um the, the character you make in that mode can also be used in the uh, the battle hub which is kind of the online hub area where you you can fight each other using your creations from that mode or you can use the, the obviously the main roster characters but it's fun seeing everyone's creations wandering around in the lobby that's kind of, it is fun and like also sometimes horrific but but overall like that mode is uh, interesting just because you can queue yourself up to want to play ranked or casual matches and then when other people do that you just automatically get pulled into a match so if you want to do online stuff it's actually it works quite a lot better than the than the system they had in street fighter 5 but as well as that they've also got the the uh, fighting grounds mode which is where your traditional fighting game story mode lives, which is where it plays out kind of like our Street Fighter 2 and, and most other games since then have done it, where you fight X amount of fighters one after the other and, and like culminating in a boss. But they're all fully featured. They've got like intro cinematics for each of the fighters and, and uh, ending cutscenes, although there's a lot of like drawn art style stuff rather than animated things. But it's nice that that stuff's there. So you've got like a complete arcade style story mode as well as the world tour thing to go out so there's actually quite a lot of stuff to do in the game oh, fair enough i will say though is that even on day one of the game coming out everyone was way too good but playing online fights <laughs> it's like ah, I, need, I need to do my 10 ranking games just to figure out what where i slot in it's like oh i'm dead oh oh no everyone everyone knows the mechanics already it's like i've got no idea but oh i'm being juggled <laughs> I will say though that um, the the mechanics in six for a new, for a newcomer to the to the series or, or to someone coming back into games uh, into fighting games after a bit of a break it's a lot easier to get into than five. The mechanics are a lot more simplified. It's like yes, there's still a lot of the the newer stuff where you've got parries and 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 super moves and and all that kind of stuff, but it's kind of simplified down to two buttons now instead of having to memorize like lots of strings to do these things you can just by default the tie to the shoulder buttons the new mechanics so it's a lot easier to get into you don't have to sort of go into the training mode for 10 hours before you can start playing you can literally just jump in and kind of cope unless you're jumping online like me which is i can remember the combinator the button combination for the cheat modes for sonic the hedgehog i don't have enough room in my head for how to do a fireball in Street Fighter. Up, down, left, punch, kick. Fortunately, a lot of the move combinations have kind of stayed the same across fighting games. So if you if you learn one, you, they kind of come into two camps. There's the Mortal Kombat kind of style move system where it's a lot of back, back, forward. And then you've got the Street Fighter-like kind of system where it's all quarter circle forwards and dragon punch motions, right forward, down, down, forward. So once you kind of get those two things, you just jump onto a character and just 
do all the things that you can remember and see if anything happens. <laughs> to its credit, it has also got an absolutely fantastic training mode this time around as well, where, where you can kind of set up the opponent to be like jumping or crouching or doing certain moves that you want to practice against and have it display moves on screen so you can practice in a, in a really good way if, if you want to take it that seriously. But like I say, it's, it's just as inviting to like more casual players where you just want to jump in and mash buttons for a bit. Well, one game that I've been enjoying this past weekend, and only this past weekend because it's a short one, <laughs> Ratchet and Clank Rift Apart. I saw my wife play some of it. Um, I didn't really pay attention because if I pay attention to the story too much, I then don't want to play the game that I've just seen be completed. So I finally decided to load up this weekend and I finished it this weekend. Um, there's a, like four trophies that I haven't unlocked, but I'm, I'm not one to keep going back to something to grind just for earn enough money so I can buy every weapon and I've, I've got to find like six of these teddy bears hidden somewhere. <laughs> Yeah, I think I've still got the teddy bears and the like the challenge mode things in the, the, the arena stuff. I think I have those to do still. But I, I thoroughly enjoyed that game. Oh yeah, it's a really good game. I I don't think I played the reboot. I watched my wife play that twice, so it's unlikely that I played it myself. But I did enjoy the Ratchet and Clank games back in the day on PlayStation 2. And I think I played a couple on PlayStation 3. I don't think I played all of them, but one of them was like a uh, more of a spin-off type thing, not your typical third-person platformer. Yeah, yeah. I think I think like we we said uh, had this conversation before I think, the other day where I said I think I played the I played the original on PlayStation Two, but I don't think I've ever played any of the others. I should probably go back and play the remake and, uh, and see how I get on with that. But Rift Apart, I, I just love the villain and i loved how how it all plays out with the, the twists in the game the, the, you could see them coming a mile off but they were really fun how, how they were done yeah dr nefarious is great he's voiced by armin shimmerman ah okay that makes sense i didn't pick up on that but yeah. also known as quark from deep space nine <laughs> every time he screamed i it just brought a, a smile to my face that He's screaming in terror, he's screaming in anger. You can hear that bit of quark. Yeah, now you've mentioned that, I didn't actually pick up on that. That's, that I thought it, there was like a familiarity there, but I didn't know whether that's just because I, I knew him from somewhere else. But yeah, that makes a lot of sense now. I, I will give them credit, even through the reboot and everything, they've retained the same voice actors for the, the characters throughout the franchise. So Dr. Nefarious has always been a favourite of mine from the franchise. No, that's, that's cool. That's really good. Uh, at one point, um, you collect some audio logs. I won't spoil it for people who haven't played it yet. You should play it if you want to. But you, you find some audio logs, and they are talking about the different dimensions because the, the rifts of the game title are other dimensions. But anyway, um, they, the person who's talking on these audio logs started saying, oh, I saw these... This interesting character, he looked kind of like us, but he had a, a, a mask over his face and he was holding a cane. And I'm like, he just referenced Sly Raccoon. Sly Raccoon, yeah. 
and and later um, I, I saw this this character and he was um, shooting a gun and spinning every other second and there was this other guy hanging onto his shoulder talking about what was happening. <laughs> I'm like, ah, Jack and Dexter. <laughs> No, it's very fun. That's really cool. And I actually, I really loved River as a character as well. I, I remember when the reveal happened and there was all drama about, oh no, like female character. Oh no, and but like she's great. She's absolutely fantastic. How she in the game, and it's like the interplay that she has with Ratchet and and Clank. Like Clank's just great in everything. It's, yeah. it's just, it's just hilarious. The whole game, I just thought it was so charming, and it was just such so fun. I didn't really feel like any of it was padded when I played it. I I, I felt the pacing was really good, and it's like yeah, if you've not played it yet, or you're waiting for the PC release later on in this year, then I'd definitely recommend playing it. It's just, it's such a fun game, even if you've not played any of the Rashes, because like I say, I've not played any since the original one on the PlayStation, and I had a great time with it. Yeah, it's it manages to be a pleasant game. Like the whole time I was I'm I'm enjoying this because it's a fun game. The characters are pleasant. The the Ratchet is a really positive character and his friendship with Clank just really comes through in their yeah. interactions. The the voice acting's absolutely stellar and um Rivet I remember when I started to play it, I was like, oh, I'm not too sure about Rivet because uh, when I'd been watching, my, when I'd seen my wife play it, uh, Rivet had been kind of, um, what's the term? Her, her treatment of Clank had been less than positive. She, yeah. as, as you grow to know the character, she's been living in this dimension where robots are, bad <laughs> so that's why she doesn't like clank at first and she grows to like clank because clank's a pleasant person uh, yeah she, she quickly grew on me yeah she, she starts off quite standoffish as well but it's like that's it standoffish when, yeah yeah when when as the situation progresses it's like she mellows and it's like and just how it's quite natural how all the characters end up interacting with each other and it becomes quite a whole so it's, it's just it's just a wholesome game from start to finish. It's, uh, and I and I'm pleased that the that the series has stayed quite pure in that respect. It, it's not it's not turned into a cynical thing, and it's it's like it's just a nice place to go for a bit. Yeah, I couldn't have said it better. I I really would like all of the um, the Ratchet and Clank games to get a, a, a remaster for PlayStation Five because they would look fantastic. Um, oh, um, one thing I meant to say about Rift Apart is when it was first announced, and until uh, up until I played it, actually, I assumed that you could uh, you had a dimension gun, and okay, I want to go over there. I will fire a like portal, like a portal gun. <laughs> I want to go over there. I will use a portal here to go over there. But no, <laughs> that would have been more fun in my estimation but what we got was fine um you there are like random rips that you can pull yourself over to there are pocket dimensions that you can go inside and do a little puzzle for they got a lot of mileage out of that yeah it's, it's the first time you do the whole 
use like using a portal and the effect of going through the portal, but it, like pulling towards you. It kind of still blows my mind now. It's like it's kind of disorienting, but because it's like visually, it's quite an interesting effect. But yeah, it's definitely not a this power is at your control. It's like it's at very fixed points, but it, but it's used very cleverly in places. Yeah, yeah, and the weapons are fantastic. <laughs> so ludicrous because they get like, especially as you upgrade them and they go and they get even more insane. It's like the ratchet. That's always been like the thing that I've associated with ratchet games, even though I've not played very many of them. I know the insomniac folk love creating insane weapons well there's one weapon you need to collect 10 blues from various puzzles and uh, side missions and collectibles it's called the rhino spelt with a y and it's short for rip here a new one <laughs> and this iteration of the rhino is the rhino 8 and that that's actually something that i've really enjoyed throughout the series is uh, i i know We've had this reboot a few years ago, but every game would, it wouldn't Metroid Prime you. Like, you wouldn't lose your magnet boots and have to go and find some new ones. And, oh, the hookshot's gone. No. <laughs> you collected that in the first game. You have it, like, six games later. Yeah. No, like, it'll, it'll, it'll just build on each other. It doesn't wipe it away and reset you to zero. It doesn't dump all of your Mega Man Robot Master abilities in the sink because you're done with that adventure. No, that's actually really fun. I didn't actually realise that. That's, that's clever. Yeah, the reason that Ratchet has hover boots and, and that Clank has a, a helicopter parts is because of events of previous games. It's not like, oh, uh, this is just some random thing that that they happen to have. No, I, I remember collecting those. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely a lot of fun. I do, I do like the fact that you pointed out in the, in the, in the voice logs as well that they reference other games from the, the period as well. It's kind of like a little shout out to like other series that and like I know we technically had a Sly Cooper game semi recently, but it's like we've not really had any games like this for a long time. It's kind of sad that they've kind of gone by the wayside, but hopefully we we see some more. Yeah, there were there were a couple of references that I didn't quite get. I couldn't tell you what the references were right now because there are like ten logs and only four or five of them, no, three or four of them, actually reference other games. But I, I did like those two. So spinning off of Ratchet and Clank, there, as you say, there's not really been much happening in in this genre recently we've had um ukulele we've had a hat in time they're few and far between yeah i mean it's like you'd perhaps have expected like sonic frontiers to be something that you mentioned in the same breath but it's not it's not the same type of game at all it's not it's not no. a platformer in that style i honestly thought that uh ukulele when that got kickstarted and, and came out i thought that might uh, usher in the new renaissance of third person platformers but sadly hasn't happened no it's especially on the on the sort of scale of uh, like insomniac like in the triple a space especially it's uh, it's like i, th I think there's things probably been a few indie sort of games in that sphere but 
yeah, it's it's kind of weird how it's like arguably at one point the most popular type of game. It kind of like it obviously gave way to first person shooters, which has kind of been with us ever since. And it's like every now and again you'd get like a peek around the corner by one of the, by a by a collectathon platformer. No, just had a quick look and. It's all third-person games. It's not third-person platformers. It's like Red Dead Redemption and Exo Primal, and yeah, okay, that's not what I'm after. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's one of the things that's a big shame with um, games becoming so homogenized. How like how like everything has RPG elements of some like a, a leveling system, for example, or, or, or like things have kind of lost the unique genre identities. So it's I, I I imagine it's quite difficult for a studio to submit something like a, a platformer and and it not be seen as like well that's quite an old limited kind of style of game because it's not got X Y or Z systems in it like like all these other games. I understand why everything quote quote has to have RPG RPG elements. They're what sell this game has RPG elements, so our game should have RPG elements, but there's not really any standardized, this is what RPG elements means, so we get games that do the wrong thing. <laughs> yeah, it's also. I think it's also a lot of it's because studios have this mentality of a game needs to be X hours long now, and it has to retain players' attention for X hours time. So I like it's to... like it's, yeah, it's it's like with that revelation this week that that uh, Baldur's Gate three has got one hundred and thirty plus hours of cutscenes. It's like that's too long. <laughs> it's like RPGs have always been long games, and it's like you could you could sink forty, sixty, hundred hours into into them, especially if you really enjoyed them and played them post game and wanted to max out characters, that kind of thing. It's like I remember sinking hundreds of hours into Final Fantasy seven, getting to getting everyone to the cap and unlocking all the ultimate weapons and that kind of thing. But but actually finishing the game doesn't take anywhere near that long. Uh, but it seems to be like a, if a game isn't 100 hours long, like baseline, then it's not good enough. <laughs> and it's kind of weird to me. It's like I remember plenty of, like, like you know about the PS2 era. It's like most games, 6 to 10 hours, campaign, you're done. And like, if you were still enjoying it, there's still stuff to unlock and do, but you could pretty much put it down and move on to the next thing. Well, I was going to praise Insomniac for managing to do what they did with Rift Apart. It's It knows what it is and it does it. But then you've got Spider-Man Miles Morales, which is the same developers, and they have abilities and costumes literally locked behind New Game Plus. Like, it shows you in your normal game hey you can unlock these once you finish the game and play it again it's like you're forcing me to play the new game plus when i've literally just finished it yeah it's like i was actually i'd actually forgotten that some of the suits were tied to new game plus so when you said that to me the other day i was i was actually kind of surprised because it's like even though both spider-man games do have quite a bit of padding in, in the in the sense that they've got side activities that 
that you either find enjoyable or don't. There is there was there was some in those games that I just didn't enjoy doing, like the drone races. I just Taskmaster those... cough cough. Yeah, yeah, the Taskmaster stuff was. Yeah, I didn't enjoy some of that, but but the actual game itself was a good length if you just focused on playing through the story and getting it done. You, you'd have a good time and you could put it down and move on to the next thing without worrying too much. But unlocking the suits was just a really fun part of that. So it's it's, it's a shame actually that they did that. I'd, I'd actually forgotten that was the thing. Well, blame them for doing it, not me for pointing it out. <laughs> you should just be better, Ace. You should have just started it on New Game Plus. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. There, there are too many games that are it's hard to put into words. They're, they're creating false ways of increasing the game length. Like, it's not just more side quests. It's stuff like, oh, finish the game and play it again to get all the good stuff. Or Sonic Frontiers has just recently had a update that's changes how the memory tokens work or something okay i was reading some tweets the other day and someone didn't like going around and collecting the memory tokens they didn't bother with it but since the updates they've been going out of their way to interact with the game world and do all these the, the different puzzles to try and get memory tokens to unlock all the cutscenes so it seems even once a game is shipped, they're still finding ways to make you increase the time you're spending in the game world. Yeah, Sonic Frontiers, Sonic Frontiers is an odd game in, in that it's 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 good. It's it's one of those things where the, I, by the time I'd done with Act One, I actually felt like I'd had my. I, I felt there was a good spread of things and activities to do, and that that was kind of. A good length, and then I realised there was four more acts so that we would basically do this exact same thing four more times, and it's kind of sapped me wanting to play some more. But what I did play, I quite enjoyed. I just felt like it, there was a lot of knowing that there was four times that amount of stuff to do. Just it did kind of like sap the life out of me. There should be two settings. There should be a setting. I've not been playing this for a long time. Please tell me the controls again. Yes. And there should be, I've had enough of this game now, let me finish it. <laughs> yeah, I've, I've enjoyed my time. Please just let me stop. Please <laughs> let me see my family again. <laughs> <laughs> let me watch the final cutscene and, and part ways as friends. Yeah, it's, I, I think a lot of games fall into the trap as well at the moment of like trying to be, trying to be streamer-focused in that they try and make it so it's exciting to watch someone else play it but at the same time they kind of forget what it's that there's that the normal audience doesn't play games in the same way as a streamer does we say that um i've been playing star wars the force unleashed uh, read about my diaries every saturday on gamebring.com and the, the, when you do when you fight certain enemies it comes up with quick time events to to like finish them off and i'm paying attention to the buttons at the bottom of the screen while whatever is going on is going on above so i've no idea what's going on above because i don't want to miss one of the buttons so uh that's it's it's not just now that games are being designed with 
other people watching you play <laughs> in mind. Yeah, it is weird. That, that was one thing that I was that they did kind of solve by the time they got to the, like the later God of War games because they had the icons show up in the corners, so you could still watch what was happening but you could see things in your peripheral and when something triggered in your peripheral vision you knew what button that associated with that was one way around it the other way was to just not do them <laughs> but but yeah it, it, that was that was what you think because i i was always in, in shenmue and in, in shenmue 2 i was always awful at the uh at the button bashy bits because i because have to like focus like you say you have to focus on the buttons because i just i just couldn't do it just by, from glancing or from like seeing something change i'd have to actually focus on it so i'd miss what the actual cutscene was playing well luckily a lot of games now so long as they actually have accessibility options are including a uh, auto complete quick time events um, feature so you can just turn that on and you don't have to do the quick time events. Yeah, I appreciate that. The, the other the other um, feature that I appreciate is the um, instead of tapping when games allow you to hold instead. That's yeah. that's a godsend. But yeah, they're all for more accessibility options like that. Just because I'm getting old now and my fingers aren't very good <laughs> pressing buttons. Oh, but you're not playing it as the developer intended. Then why did they add that ability to to skip this thing? Exactly. Like I didn't make this option. <laughs> right, I think we've run for a, a decent enough length. So thank you for joining me, Puce. You're welcome. And thank you for listening and subscribing to the Greencast. Your support means a lot. If you want to hear more from us. Actually, before I say uh, say the final bit, um, I've been informed that the podcast service Stitcher is no longer going to be available as of sometime in August. So if you're listening to us using Stitcher, um, stop. (laughs) You need to find... Well, you won't won't have an option. You will have to stop. But you have to find us elsewhere. Find us on Spotify, Podcasts. Or just look for our anime podcast, The Pals Anime Lounge. And of course, check out our writings on GameBeam.com. Until next time, Dave.